brought to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. Suds, suds, suds. It's time for more suds. Hello and welcome to this suds episode where everything good in life is worth discussing. On today's segment, we have a lot of hosts that are going to be joining me here at the table is Reverend Mark. Hello and good afternoon. Good old gal Juliana. I maydees. <laughs> That's the most unique one. This is not our day. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> good old Cal, good old gal, good old boy, good old boy Dave. Hang on, I need to start this over again. This is this is the this is the worst start. Hey y'all, this is good old gal Dave. This is good old gal Dave. How you been? <laughs> Just so pathetic. Somebody hand me another beer. That's what I need. No doubt. Well, or def- two. <laughs> definitely on this show, uh, we have uh, we've had a lot of beer to consume. Uh, definitely on this episode, on this segment, uh, on our sub segment, we talk about beer, beer, and definitely more beer. On this particular segment, it is a beer style episode. This is part two of a, a two part episode where we were talking about double IPAs and imperial IPAs. We have tasted 23 beers in a double blind tasting. That means that we had no idea what we were tasting, what was in the glass. It was frankly just a bunch of glasses and a bunch of numbers. We didn't even know it was beer in them (laughs) until we drank it. I think you knew that because I wrote you, I said, hoppy, sweet. That's what I wrote down about 400 (laughs) times, you know, on my uh, uh, sheet for sure. Now, IPA uh, in general is one of the most popular styles in the U.S. right now. Um, There are well over 4,000 beers in this category uh, in the U.S. being commercially made right now. Now, double IPAs and imperial IPAs are basically cousins of IPAs in general. They're usually versions where the uh, gravity or uh, the amount of sugar or alcohol is much higher. And so... Um, in many cases, that really brings about or a certain measure of complex flavors uh, to the occasions. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good. Um, and it actually has created a, a, a bit of some stylizing based on regions. So you have West Coast style IPAs and you have East Coast style IPAs that have kind of come into the mix as well. Um, now, as we're going through our discussion today, we are going to be rating our beers, and telling us about that is going to be good old boy Dave. Hey, thanks, Mike. Uh, we'll be tasting and discussing these beers using the Suds ratings, patent pending, uh, and our signature belching sounds. Here are those ratings now. Number one, that sucks. Give me anything but a bud. Number two, was that a belch? That was a belch. Number three, ah, what a relief. Number four, a body should really not make that sound. And number five, listen to that hang time, give me another. Thanks, Dave, for uh, going through our suds ratings here on Sip, Suds, and Smokes. Uh, We will be using those ratings definitely as we go along talking about all 23 of these beers that we're going to go through. So like I mentioned, uh, we have put a real twist on this particular uh, show. We have gone through 23 different beers. We have tasted these beers in a double blind tasting. That means we have no idea exactly what we're tasting. Dave's still questionable if it's beer. Dave's still questionable, period. Actually, it's (laughs) pee-pee. Um, you know this, uh, th- but this is a very typical experience for many of us because um, we do a lot of beer judge- beer contest judging, and we end up doing a blind tasting uh, like this for uh, beer competitions as well. So this was right on par uh, for many of us that uh, do this quite often. So here is a list of the beers that we are going to discuss today. All 23 Green Flash West Coast IPA, 
21st Amendment Hop Crisis, Dogfish Head 90-Minute IPA, Cathedral Squares, St. Lenny's, Odell Brewing's Mercenary, Belching Beaver Brewery Damned. <laughs> that is quite the mouthful. Please no don't No pun snickery. intended. Firestone Walkers, Double Jack. Blackstone Brewery Enabler. I'll talk a little bit about the story behind that uh, in this episode. Oscar Blues Gubna. Six Point Craft Ales Resin. Six Point Craft Ales High Res. Moylan Hopsicle. New Belgian Rampant. Stouts. Double IPA. Stone. Ruination. Founders. Double Trouble. Three Floyds. Apocalypse Cow. Hair of the Dog. The Blue Dot Version. Southern Tier, 2X IPA, Lagunitas Maximus, Foothills Brewing, Sing Double IPA, and Great uh, Great Divide Hercules Double API, and the last one is Founders Devil Dancer is the last one that we're going through in this episode. So a very long list indeed. A lot of really great beers to uh, celebrate here. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I'll explain a little bit about uh, this particular show. A little bit different than uh, maybe some of the other other episodes we're, we're doing. This is the what we call the backside of our discussion about this blind taste testing. This is part two, two-part discussion. Love discussing the backside. <laughs> I just knew it. It just was <laughs> going to happen right before we knew it. So uh, most of us are going to be talking about a broad range of topics. Uh, Juliana is going to go through her 14 honorable mentions. <laughs> that are in At this least. because there are no losers in this contest. <laughs> we actually have brought in a lot of the beer into our studio here for us to enjoy through this uh, taste testing. So if you happen to hear some of us get up and move around in the middle of this, it's just because we're pouring some of the beer that we can actually talk about. Because it's kind of tough to keep 23 cups, you know, in front of you at the same time. So a little bit of a physical kind of juggle going on here in the studio at the same time. Um, so uh, we definitely have some topics for us to talk about through this uh, uh, second episode of this uh, blind taste testing. You know, uh, so the first thing uh, we kind of wanted to talk about was what was outside our top three. There are a lot of things that are kind of number four, five, and six there. There's a story to be told about maybe some of the other things that were in our rating. And I'm just kind of curious what else was on your list uh, that might be number four or five that you didn't get to talk about that you wanted to, to uh, talk about. So up first, at least through this question, is going to be uh, Reverend, yes. Reverend Mark, if he's, <laughs> if he's ready. Otherwise, I'm ready. I'm always ready. Otherwise, we'll, we'll, we'll skip to the first oh. six honorable mentions from Juliana's list. Okay. Yeah. No, I have several honorable mentions, and there were... Uh, constellation of four or five that were vying for the top three just didn't quite make it um, one that uh, that I really liked uh, but I felt as though it was a, just a slightly bit off style as I understand uh, Imperial or double IPA uh, was the Cathedral Square St. Lenny's. Mm -hmm. uh, I really liked it a lot it was very it was very malt forward um, it had a very hearty kind of hot balance but it was somewhat subdued nonetheless for as big a beer as it was um, almost almost a uh, a malt monster and it was but it was very creamy and smooth and um, so actually this this one is is a Belgian style um, IPA so hmm. that kind of explains it to me now as I you know went back and looked at it huh now, um, this particular brewery is not a brewery that I have had a lot from. Um, I know that, uh, well, I know I picked up this bottle uh, in St. Louis. Um, Juliana, is this a brewery that you know um, a little bit about? And um, is this a fairly typical style from, uh, from Cathedral? Well, what's interesting about this logo is that, uh, about this label is that it's got Schmaltz Brewing and Cathedral Square. So it's a collaboration. A collaboration. Hmm. Which right. makes hmm. me understand it even more. Um, because it's a Belgian rye double IPA. Schmaltz. Oh, yeah. So yeah. that's, I, I mean, because this was in my honorable mention, which I'll get into the whole scheme of my honorable mentions later. But 
in general. Um, I'm going to have to take a new math class. You (laughs) probably will. So Cathedral Square, I actually I like a lot. I mean, their beer is very reasonably priced, and they're good light, you know, traditional Belgian-y style beers. I mean, there was a Belgian agave beer that I had from them about a year ago and I was like oh my god this is great and then since then I've gone and gotten more and more bottles of their stuff because you know for the price point it's very reasonable they're they're very underrated I think for what they are in the St. Louis area and from what I remember you have you can only get them in the St. Louis area it's it's a very small distribution oh um, but the wine and cheese place had a decent amount of them, and it's that's where, where this is from, yeah. yeah, and and that's where I got them from. Um, you know, so this is a bit of a stretch, but for what it is, I really liked it. It just was one of those that was a little odd, but it was, and that's why I didn't get my top three. Exactly. I thought it was amazing, yeah. but it just didn't seem to fit the the per- style parameters that we were specifically considering so what's so, your so what's your suds rating on the uh cathedral square i actually gave it a four oh. yeah just i mean just an overall rating hmm. um <clears throat> and i think uh, the fact that this is a belgian style um probably explains a little bit about why it might stand out in the crowd and certainly the fact that it's a rye based um, that would be a combination of some flavoring characteristics that would be very different than you know everything else. So I can understand yep. where that would kind of stand out, you know, in the scheme of things. You know, my notes around uh, Cathedral Square were uh, pretty simple. I wrote down sweet and I put down a three. <laughs> that was about it. So, <clears throat> well, and it and it really doesn't align with what we're talking about yeah, today with, yeah uh, you know definitely not uh was not hoppy because their word hoppy is not anywhere on my line yeah <laughs> yeah so i held it back on a top three because it didn't make the style description but i still gave it a four because yeah. i thought it was a great beer <laughs> well i noticed uh what we're ta- uh, talking here i mean the two of you actually poured you know another tasting sample i mean do you really think that uh you know does it is it closer to resembling what's on the label now that you know actually what it's been declared as that it kind of makes sense you're not looking at it in a comparative light now you're comparing it they said it's a right forward you know belgian ipa uh from that perspective yeah and to me since i poured another cup and it, it's fresh and it's cold oh heck yeah mm-hmm. i mean it is belgiany you know and the thing is is okay granted this was number four but this was after it was poured for a few minutes and by the time i got to it it just had this you know something different with all of the double i and imperials that we were tasting right. it just seemed a little out of the mix but yet you know as we go forward yeah, IPAs are not your regular IPAs anymore. No, definitely. And neither are doubles and imperials. So, I, you know, I give them props for taking a Belgian-style ale, which is, you know, just another country's version of a pale ale, so to speak, and then just, you know, ramping it up. Hmm. So why not? Yeah. So, yep. Uh, I know that you have uh, several honorable mentions to get to, and we'll. I think what we'll do is we'll talk. We'll but that's back to another one of show. And <laughs> that's another episode all, all by itself because nobody's a loser here at the house of <laughs> Juliana. Everyone gets a trophy. Yes, just different styles of trophies. Yes, nobody's a loser. You're just not the. <laughs> you're just not the winner. Nobody's a winner. Nobody's a loser. <laughs> Oh, whatever. No, the thing that I wanted to talk about in terms of honorable mentions was um, number 16 and number 18 stood out to me, but for completely different reasons. Oh, what about 14, 17, 19? (laughs) Well, first off, I actually talked about 14 and 17, so there. So let's tell everybody what beers we're talking about. Right. So number 16 was Founders Double Trouble, okay, which Dave in a previous episode has rated as one of his top threes. Mm -hmm. And then the other one was the hair of the dog blue dot which Mm -hmm. was you know surprising to many people thinking that it was going to be high on their list which actually wasn't and both of you are tasting it out of big ass cups that's impressive okay so the point that i was trying to make here was these two were not typical because to me in terms of my tasting notes they were very 
forward in one specific or two specific um, flavors. And that to me threw it off from what I would consider a traditional double IPA. Mm-hmm. But I'm not saying that they're bad. Like for instance, the the Founders Double Trouble was very grapefruit to me. I mean, my first tasting note was big ass grapefruit. Pardon mm. my French. You know, so yay, it's if you love a very grapefruit hop balmy flavor, well then this beer is for you mm. because it is very grapefruit flavored. And then um, for the hair of the dog, I got a lot of pineapple and mango. And it was very predominant in the pineapple mango. And I thought, well, that's a little odd, but yet for what it is, it's really good. I just couldn't rate that as a top three for me because it didn't consist as a traditional double IPA. But yet the the profile of what a double IPA and an imperial IPA is changing, as we will discuss in a couple minutes. Yeah, Right, and if, you, if, if we'd have thought it had... Uh, been inoculated uh, with Conan yeast, right? Then it would have made sense. Sure, mm. exactly. Well, uh, so uh, it's interesting you picked up on uh, one beer that you know both Reverend Mark and I had a lot of high hopes for Hair of the Dog, uh, the Blue Dot. Um, this is a beer that's been very well rated. Uh, a lot of you know a lot of industry you know has a lot of hype around this, um, but. This is the first time I've had it. I think it's first. I don't know. It's the first time you've had it as well, Reverend Mark. First time I've had it out of a bottle. I actually had it on tap um, in Washington State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so uh, we actually went back and grabbed the bottle, you know, at break and poured ourselves another, you know, glass because we we're like, what the heck, you know, is going on? Um, because. Uh, for that many people to rave about this, for us to be, you know, off, what's off? So I can understand in this particular rating why this hit where it did on, you know, for me. My tasting notes around Hair of the Dog Blue Dot were, you know, it was tasty, it was very well balanced, but I gave it a three. And, um, you know, I, uh, it's very, um, it's very West Coast, it's, it's a bit citrus forward. Uh, for me, I don't know about you. Uh, how about you, Reverend Mark? I mean, where would you put this? Actually, I'm surp- I am so surprised. I gave it a two. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know. You know. Uh, uh, I'm, this this is the big uh, disappointment of the day for me. Well, that's uh, that's too bad. Um, so I mean, it's interesting the contrast, and this is what I always love about double blind tastings is it definitely. It may, it it'll true you up faster than you ever thought. Yeah, and uh, if you think that the beer that you're drinking is hanging so tough all the day long, I don't know if you're spending four or five thousand dollars on beer every year. You might want to sit down and actually do a double blind tasting of that beer to actually make sure, sure. it's worthy of your palate. Because uh, I have to say, it'd be pretty tough for me to go back and um, you know probably uh, put that beer back on. Um, uh, in my list, so even after everything we've gone through here today, which is very interesting, because uh, yeah, it's definitely a beer that I went in. Uh, you know, I went into this going thinking, eh, I think those three or four might do really, really well, and this was one of those ones. So I'm glad you mentioned it kind of earlier in our discussion. I sure. Think, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think um, if nothing else, this really speaks highly for the you know the beer stores that do the build your own six pack, where you can do six individual beers so you could actually do your own flight yeah you don't have to do 23 yeah. like we did yeah some no please don't apocalypse but that would be a moment. case of beer wouldn't it if you could yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You get, know, uh, you know, remind me how much beer that today. Get, uh, you know three or four friends you know do a do you know four six packs of a style mm. and um and knock it out and see what everybody really likes i think this is really a good thing to do because we all i think sometimes fall prey to i think i know but i really don't know yeah and well we fall prey to a brand name or uh Mm -hmm. you know i think this brand name stinks because everybody says it stinks or i think this brand name is awesome because everybody says it's awesome if you'd ever told me that we were going to have a skunked uh a skunk beer of stone, I would have never have believed you in a right. million you know? years. Yep. You know, 
Uh, but yet, yet here we are. I still can't believe that happened. So and, I know. You know, if you were going to tell me that all three of you were going to disagree with me about beers that were good, you know, I would have been like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, but, but I think I wonder if part of it is, is, you know, there were some West Coast IPAs that I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I rated them so bad. Uh, like the Green Flash, for instance. I mean, the Green Flash... And the Firestone are a standard yep. in the scheme of things. I know. And so that, that's what I liked about this lineup is it was a combination of things that you've had a dozen times. Exactly. You know, and you know exactly where this is and where it should be and, you know, where it should be, you know, in your lineup of palette, you know, stacked up with, you know, some things that were kind of on the fringe you know right. outside of that right, right. sure you know outside of that top 20 and you know um so uh there were some things that frankly kind of lined up exactly where i thought they would be you know as well um but uh yeah you're right uh you know there were some diehard standards that were definitely threw in here so i thought it was interesting that a lot of us did not pick those in our top three and you're right yeah. for for nobody to name the uh, Green Flash, you know, West Coast IPA in their top three. I thought that was kind of, that was interesting. Or the yeah. Six Points Resin. Tr- yeah. Well, yeah. you named the High Res, I think. No, he did, did the High yeah. Res, but yeah. Well, my, my biggest surprise of the, all of these that I didn't put in the top three as I look at what was available to us today uh, uh, was the Odell Mercenary. I know. Yes. Yeah. I, know. I mean, I've said for years that is like one of my very favorite I, double IPAs. And it didn't make my it didn't make the cut today. Right. Yeah. Well, and I even got to, I'll even fess up on my own tasting notes that um, I actually wrote down it was very West Coast. I thought that was the resin. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. And yeah, I really got the the two confused. Actually, my Sed's rating was a four uh, for the Odell Mercenary, and it's a it's a beer I've had with you. It's a beer I've had mm-hmm. you know in general you know quite a bit. Yeah. And you know I I thought it would have you know been a really good candidate for being in my top three as well i was really shocked you know at that foothills you know slipping in like it did and i went back and tasted it at the break you know kind of like what was i thinking I, i'm thinking that's a You're really still, good beer right, yeah right exactly. that's exactly i'm like okay I, i'm sticking with it i'm sorry yeah. but it's it's a really great beer there's absolutely everything we talked about with that beer is definitely there so but i think it, you know we when we talked about it before is that um we all had a lot of threes and we all had a lot of fours in this flight, so yeah. you know, a lot of times you're 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 deciding between two beers, and it's a very close margin. Um, what what is your number three versus what is your number four? Hmm. You know. Well, right mm-hmm. now my margin is that we need to take a segment break. Do it, <laughs> and we'll be right back in just a bit. Thanks for coming back and joining us. Uh, we are talking about double IPAs and imperial IPAs and a double blind taste testing we've had of over 23 beers. We're going through Juliana's honorable mentions at this moment. So we got to like half of one. <laughs> Number 153. Yeah. Oh, whatever. All right. So uh, it was good. We, we talked about Hair of the Dog. But what else is on your list there? Well, no, I think I've actually gone through them. I mean, no way. No, seriously. Because I was surprised about Odell's Mercenary myself <laughs> and how it ended up being a little bit more West Coast than I remember it being. Yep. You yeah. know, in, in terms of flavor. and But that brings me to a very interesting point, and maybe we can all talk about this, is, you know, what the progression is of the IPA and the double IPA. You know... It used to be that we were limited in the types of hops that we had, um, you know, in brewing these double IPAs. But now, like, the floodgates are open and we have all of these flavors, which is why I was going into those honorable mentions. Because Mm. it is not a traditional double IPA to me, but yet 
if you are into those citrus flavors or those mango, pineapple, Conan flavors, well then you're going to like one particular beer over another just based on that itself. Mm. Maybe not the full spectrum of what the beer is like, but just the, you know, that particular component of it. Um, you know, which surprise you, you know, blows me away because I like resin like Dave likes resin. Yep. But yet resin didn't do well to me. You know, in comparison to Apocalypse Cow, man, I could bring, I, I could drink that Apocalypse Cow all day long. Yeah. You know, as well as the foothills, like you were talking about. Yeah. But yeah. yet, now that I know that the cathedral is a Belgian rye, I'm like, oh my God, this like completely changes the landscape for me of what a double IPA can be. Mm. Right. Right. Let's. Uh, so I definitely want to pick up that exact uh, question um, in just a second. But I want to give Dave and I a chance to Sorry. go through what uh, what else was on you know kind of uh, on the back uh, bottom half of our list. You know, after three or four or anything that you know was like eh, it was like right there. You know, it was like almost you know uh, well, that we haven't talked about. Yeah. Well, like she just mentioned resin from Six Point. Yeah. Um, Mark had really like the high res and um you know you and i both felt that it was maybe a bit too sweet um i love resin i've i've gone to uh kentucky to get it i've gone actually to brooklyn to get it um and i really enjoy drinking it uh but for some reason today I mean, I gave it a I gave it a good score. I won't say yet, so you don't hit the button. But um, but it didn't make my top three. Um, I gave it a four. Wow. You know? mm-hmm. So it's it's one of those things like I was saying that you know when you're giving out a lot of threes, a lot of fours, you're tasting a lot of really good IPAs, double IPAs, whatever it is. A lot of times it can come down to how that particular bottle or can arrive to you you know um you know did mike shake it up in the parking lot before he brought it up or yes. you know <laughs> did juliana drop it when yeah. she at the store no. and then go ahead two or and buy, three times you know? um was it found know. in the wreckage of the titanic right <laughs> exactly you know <laughs> You know, did you know did someone castrate a sheep and then, you know, um, leave it? Somehow, I'm not quite sure how we transcend episodes with one topic. But Dave has managed yeah. to do it. Somehow, we are still castrating that's, sheep in this episode. That's what we call a callback. So, um, you know, maybe you know, maybe you know, you bought it and you left it in the back of your car on a hot summer day for a few hours and then got a little bit too high in temperature before yeah. you got it. You never know. I mean, beer is very fragile mm. yep. in a lot of respects. You know, when you're making it, it's actually pretty forgiving. But once it's packaged, it's pretty fragile. Hmm. Um, but I do think resin is something that everyone should really uh, try to get. Um, another one is the... Now you're going to say you're such rating on resin. I said four, dude. Oh, you did? Uh, you already oh, did? Oh, I'm, oh, I'm sorry about that. Lost track of things. <coughs> I thought somebody was yeah, keeping the, up with this. Those double dang. IPAs have a tendency to do that. Oh, what were we talking about? Uh, Sheep castration yeah. again. <laughs> You're so easily distracted. All right. What else is on the on the honorable mention list here for oh, you? Oh, uh, the one other beer that I would like to mention is the Southern Tier. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2x mm-hmm. IPA. Um, I gave that a four. Um, good, and and again, I go back to what I like—a good even, not super bitter, not crazy malty, just right down the road middle IPA. Hmm. I have one more honorable mention. Sure. Uh, and I actually had two, but one's already been brought up, so I won't repeat that. But to me, I couldn't believe, but it didn't quite make the cut uh, for me, was the Oscar Blues Governor. Mm. Yeah. I was just going to talk yeah. about that myself. Yep. So, um, yep. so uh, I just thought it was incredible. It's interesting that uh, the, the largest 
percentage of the the top like six seven beers that I chose maybe four of them I'm thinking now were in a can were in a can yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. and uh, I really like this beer um, it, it maybe maybe uh, it was a little just out of style from what I was thinking at the moment when I was drinking it but I've right. come back and revisited it and uh, you know I've looked into the grain bill on it since and it's like it's a combination of American Turo dark Munich and rye got a lot of summit hops at least on the front end and then a lot of citrus hops um, for the, in the dry hop and in the in the finishing I just I just would highly highly recommend it and I just you know I'm, Oscar Blues can't do really anything wrong mm, so true what's your says rating on that I gave it a four a four uh, yeah. uh, well and, and I'd love to you know chime in on that same thing because that was you know one of the beers that I wanted to mention here as well that uh, was probably in in my top you know five or six um my tasting notes around Oscar Blues Governor was uh, pleasant, non-invasive, and it had this kind of hint of sweet. And you know, in kind of the wake of things, I mean, it just felt like such a full-on assault. Yeah. You know, of your palate for me to basically write pleasant and non-invasive. Uh, you know, around something that's labeled as an imperial IPA, <laughs> that. Uh, that kind of said, you know, a little bit. Juliana is actually tasting it once again right now, and I'm curious, you know, what what you're what you're thinking. Yeah, and again, okay, this opens up the whole. What is a traditional double yeah. IPA now? Because it's got the rye in it, and that's yeah. what you know prompted me before to not put it in my top three because mm. I was tasting this, you know, and it was the rye. And granted, I like rye, but. You know, for me, being a traditional, you know, looking for the traditional double IPA, it didn't fit the mold. Right. But now that I'm drinking it again, I'm like, well, heck yeah, why wouldn't I like this? Yeah. Well, uh, I didn't offer up my Sedge rating, which is actually a four uh, behind the Oscar Blues Governor. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, uh, going back to, you know, a prior conversation we had, which is, so Dale's IPA is their traditional pale ale uh, mm-hmm. that they sell. Is this is this basically the hop monster of a Dale's? You know, IPA is the governor. Uh, you know, to answer my own question rather quickly, no, right? It's, no. it's no. not. No, this Th- is this different. is very different. Yeah. This is one thing where this is not the this is not the cousin. You know, sure. This is not the elder cousin of the same thing. No, this, this is, is a is completely a different, different relative. Yeah. yeah. So, but this is, this is what I like. Cousin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is what I like is that they're not being traditional and saying, "Okay, I have a really good IPA. Let me just up the ABV, you know, uh, and make it imperial or double." No, this is like a completely different animal because it tastes completely different. Mm. And I, you know, the more that I'm thinking about it, yeah, this is, you know, I could enjoy this, but it's just not inside the traditional mold. <laughs> I think what's amazing is I'm sitting here talking about, you know, there are three or four beers that are within a quarter mile of each other. I yeah. mean, literally, I mean, you could, you could stand in the middle and throw a rock at Oscar Blues, <laughs> New Belgian, and, and, uh, um, Odell's, you know, yeah. all at the same time out of Fort Collins, and the stark contrast, you know, between you know each of these breweries that all have access to the same ingredients, same personnel, not, not necessarily the same equipment, but but that's um, great. Yeah, I mean, and and that's really great that there is uh, some variation, you know, in those products as well. But definitely something that you know I wanted to mention to say. Yeah, that's kind of right there. When I had to look at all the things I had four and fives on, we've not talked about that one. And um, I didn't realize it had rye in it, but I can understand why that kind of rounds out, you know, a bit of the flavoring component around it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Is there anything else on my list of fours and fives that we have not chatted around in great clarity? Um you know, we haven't talked about the Founders uh, Devil Dancer, uh, which was, um, you know, here in the mix. So this is a seasonal IPA that's released um, as a as a double IPA, and 
I guess the, you know, the tasting notes I wrote around this were, it was very roasty. There were kind of, there was a layered effect um, of the Devil Dancer uh, that's kind of there. Um, as, as opposed to this full onslaught, you know, palate invasion, you know, that you would have, uh, that roasty quality kind of crept up on you. It was very different than a lot of everything we had today. My Suds rating actually was a four uh, for the Devil Dancer. I'm curious what you guys thought and how was this in your mix? Well, for me, I I have a similar um, line of thinking. I enjoyed it, but yet it was a little bit too roasty for me. So I thought it was really outside the traditional mix of what a double IPA is. Yeah. And although I liked it a lot because, you know, I love... I, I love um, smoky scotches and you know and, and really heavy barrel aged whiskeys that you know that kind of thing. I just thought that it wasn't the traditional double imperial IPA, so I really couldn't you know put it in my top three. But as something that's a little bit different and outside of the box, it's a really great beer. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I was. Uh it was really great to kind of throw that in the mix. It was something that was just recently released, um, and so there was. And thank you to founders for coming to Tennessee, by the way. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, there was definitely, uh, you know, the thought about throwing something like that in that was uh, rather fresh um, into the mix. You know, I thought would would be kind of interesting to see everybody's reaction to that. So uh, there's one beer here that uh, I wanted to mention a little around the story that I have to say I had some really high hopes around it. And uh, part of it is who they are, um, our affinity uh, for that brewery, and the story behind it, which is Blackstone's um, Enabler. This is a very regional release beer. Um, and I can't begin to tell you how regional it is. It's literally, uh, it is part of a series called The Blacklist, hmm. where they're only releasing these beers to literally six places. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, I've noticed a, a trend of, with breweries that are doing something where they really are, are establishing very good relationships with distributors, and definitely with uh, their endpoints of distribution, bars, growler fills, you know, um, you know these places that uh, they really have to rely upon to help sell and move their products uh, to try and, and make sure they maintain a, a good relationship with a very tight-knit, you know, network. The Blacklist is a collection of growler fill uh, restaurants, um, and I think there's a couple of just pure bars um, that are in the in the mix as well. Um, so Enabler is the first in the Blacklist series, um, and it was just released uh, a couple weeks ago. And my first reaction when I heard about this was, okay, well, uh, in fact, the question that I, I threw out was, what's so different about this? And they... Uh, Blackstone makes a an imperial IPA called Atom Bomb, mm. <coughs> and so uh, and, we'll like it. and my first reaction was, so is this basically just nothing more than a a growler version of Atom Bomb? Is it the same hot profile or something completely different? And the answer that I got back was, this is something different. Um, yeah. And so you know, I. Uh, uh, I picked this up, and I had some high expectations for a, co a couple of reasons. One is that it was fresh. The other is is that I knew the story behind it, and I thought, this is going to be a hot profile that really may skew a bit of our uh, our influence in thinking about you know how things are. And yet none of us put this in the top three, even in our honorable mention. Um, actually, my tasting notes for the enabler were it was bitter, it was hoppy, and I actually rated it as a three. But this is a brewery that all of us know extremely well. Um, and I'm curious, what went wrong? What would you tell the brewer to go back? If you're looking at the entire wake of, of things that we've tasted today, what went right or wrong with this beer? Yeah, my tasting notes indicate that I felt it was a little vegetal. Um, but other mm. than that, 
the hop balance is good. It just there was just something about it that that tasted a little bit too organic uh, to me. Hmm. Uh, I love Blackstone. I mean, hands down, one of my top two or three breweries in Nashville. And I agree, the Atom Bomb is wonderful. It's actually on tap right now at their at their brew house. So um, I don't know. Maybe this was just not a good introduction. That was my local twist uh, to this exercise. Any other uh, reaction, David Julian? Yeah, there just was something about it. I mean, I wanted to like it so much because mm-hmm. as soon as I, you know, saw what it was, I'm like, oh my god, why did I rate it so badly? But yet, ugh, they're they're just. <laughs> As he's tasting that's, something, that's something else. Of, uh, something that's something else that's good. That's yeah. pretty good, though. Yeah. <laughs> it is. There just was this weird quality, and I guess it is vegetative, that just was, you know, almost pungent and didn't do well with the hop flavor. I don't know. Hmm. Well, but I, yeah, I rated it like a two. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Very interesting. Well, uh, they do produce really great beer, and mm-hmm. I'm sorry this uh, this definitely didn't hit the mark for us today. It was some really tough competition here at the table. So, listen, uh, we're going to take another uh, quick break here. We'll be right back, and we'll talk uh, more about what was at the bottom and uh, why was it there. We'll be right back. And welcome back to Sip, Suds, and Smokes. Today's Suds episode is talking about double IPAs and Imperial IPAs and a double blind tasting of over 23 different beers. This is part two of our two, two-part episode on our discussion. And picking up our discussion is, you know, a question that I, you know, wanted to throw back to all of you, which is, so there were several things that were kind of at the bottom. I mean, I'm looking at my own list here and there are a lot of you know twos uh you know on my list and some things i'm kind of surprised you know that are actually at the bottom and i mean what are some things that you know you're looking at going wow i'm really shocked that was as low as it was really well um other than the stone ruination yeah <laughs> so let's let's throw that yeah or that or the hair of the dog i mean it was lower than i would have well, thought had, that's um, true the moylan hopsicle yeah me too very too yeah. me too uh, that was that was something i rated rather low i mean i rated um, it as a three but like a kind of a low three um yeah i just um it, it i i guess you know it was sort of in the middle of the flight and it got lost uh. amongst everything. So, as you're going through these things, you know when you, when you're when you're doing a flight like this, especially if it doesn't stand out like right away, then you just sort of kind of brush it to the side. And I think that's what happened to to this beer mm. with me. Well, you know, so it's an interesting observation that I have even looking at my own tasting sheet that when I look at the things that are in my top three, they're within the top ten beers that I tried in the entire flight. Yeah. And so I wonder if that says something about just the element of palate fatigue. Uh, you know, that we were all kind of fighting through mm-hmm. uh, with so many hoppy beers through here that those things that were very early on, you know, had the ability of doing well, uh, you know, if they were well. So. Yeah. I, I even thought about, you know, what if at some point about doing an exercise, but you know, like taking everyone's top five or ten and then breaking it up and serving them in different orders each time to see if your, your you know your ratings would change because you know once you've had that first big hot bomb you know you can drink water you can eat crackers or whatever but it's still going to impact your palate for quite a while yeah 
you know so seeing how you know that kind of thing would change you know just serving things in a different order might change how you rate them well and i don't you know i was watching us as we went through this that i don't think that all of us went through about this the same method i mean i i didn't start at number one i think i started at like 16 yeah and worked my way around some of that was intentional um uh, to provide some balance because yeah, I was right, just right. curious about this very topic you know that we're talking about right now even with that said Moylan was at the bottom for me it was a two <laughs> um, my rating was very simple it was just too bitter yeah, um, yeah. now I, w- I will say the one thing I knew about that particular beer is that's a live ale beer and it actually needs to be stored, refrigerated, transfer refrigerated. When I picked it up, it was off the shelf. No. Mm. It was not refrigerated. So okay. I wonder if something happened sure. uh, with that. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of unusual, you know, that something like that would happen. But anyway, um, if there's an out for them, that's it, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Anything else at the bottom? You're like, man, I can't believe that did not do well. Well, I had one at the bottom, and I, I had never had it before, so I can't say I feel particularly bad about my, my rating here, uh, but I guess one that scored the lowest for me, um, or near the lowest, was Belching Beaver Brewery Dam. <laughs> Dude, okay. Where, no, and where? it's funny that you're talking about it because I pulled the bottle out because I was trying to figure out what it was. <laughs> That made it so bad. I mean, come on. You and got I didn't even know the name of it. Because right. So, I mean, it likes the name. <laughs> but, I mean, it's called Belching, Belching Beaver, Beaver Castrating Brewery. Brewery. Castrated Hogs. No, uh, damned double yeah, IPA. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. But here's their, they, they talk about it having crushed grapes, bright citrus, passion fruit, and grapefruit. And okay, I'm sorry. And a pear tree. Right. <laughs> Isn't that a little overkill? <laughs> I think there's some labeling problem. I, I put down there, I said, too much. It seemed like too much Chinook. I don't right. like Chinook hops <laughs> when they kind of bleed over into the rest right. of the beer. Uh-huh. So I said, uh, Houston, something's wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> so what's your size rating? It was a two. A two. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, to, to at least offer some contrast, I mean, uh, my tasting notes around the belching beaver you know brewery damned were i i actually wrote down it was well rounded it was a little sweet <laughs> and my rating was a four <laughs> so you know um but to defend you know a bit of our conversation that was almost nearly at the end yeah uh for yeah. me so yeah. i wonder if that was just palate fatigue that i was fighting through so yeah and maybe and i know that you you actually pulled it out and and tasted it as well and i see you kind of nodding your head going <laughs> no uh, i'm no. sorry mike it's still it's not, not good <laughs> well let's sing our uh our uh, uh conversation around you know kind of where is the style going and so you know juliana alluded uh, you know uh, a, a little bit earlier to talking about where is this style you know going and and this was not a on par you know even footing you know blind taste uh, blind tasting first off I know some things are changing um, in the definition of this and I want you to talk about those changes as well as kind of charge into the question where is this style going are we at the peak are we at the valley this is the middle of nowhere. Where is all this kind of going? Because I've definitely seen this style change dramatically over three years. And I think it's going to continue to change, not only, you know, based on what the... The, the great thing about craft beer is that it is ever-changing, okay? And, and good brewers are trying to push the envelope on what a traditional style of a beer should be. And what their interpretation of that is, okay? And we're seeing that now with IPAs. Um, just a few, what about a month ago, we had the uh, the national conference, the, the national convention, homebrewers conference. Right, exactly. And so the BJCP is what what myself and Dave and Mark kind of live by in terms of our brewing styles when we brew our own beer as homebrewers those style guidelines are going to change and so the IPA is not your traditional IPA anymore 
Now, it is still, you know, for those of you that understand the BJCP, um, category 21 is the IPAs, and we're all familiar with that. Yeah. So, 21A. I think about it every morning. Sure, of course what you I do. what I talk about when right. I get up. Section 21. Yeah, whatever. Okay, and 21A is the American IPA. But now we've introduced this specialty IPA that has gone crazy. So the BJCP has now distinguished that it's not just a regular IPA anymore. The specialty IPAs are now going to be black IPAs and brown IPAs and white IPAs and rye IPAs and Belgian IPAs and red IPAs before you get to this strong American ales. Well, what's cool, you know, because what what used to happen for homebrewers entering competitions is that if you did anything as an IPA, like if you brewed an IPA and you put Belgian yeast into it or you brewed an IPA and you added some rye malt or some wheat malt or anything like that, you had to enter it into 23A, hmm. I believe, which is specialty beers. So 23A ended up being this big, weird... Conundrum. You know, uh, yeah. it, it could be a um, hundred different things. It could be a porter with Belgian yeast versus a stout that you added rye malt into versus an IPA with... Um, tuna fish in it or something you know just weird, you know some weird crazy thing trout oh yeah well we did have a smoked trout beer in the last that's pretty wild so anyways um well but yeah so i've decided to lobby for a blue ipa okay. because you know it's it's missing in the scheme of things we can have a white ipa we can have a red ipa I want a blue IPA. Okay, so would that be a blue, uh, an IPA with blue I don't corn? Care. I just malt, uh, blue Caraco or uh, mm, you know, yeah, um, blueberries. You know, yeah, you know what? Blueberry. There you go. Blueberry <laughs> IPA. Nice. Um, if all of a sudden that we are dropping down into color variations, um, you know, out of this category. I, I'm really I, <clears throat> I'm not really sure what would be so different about a red IPA than a normal IPA. White IP, white white IPAs I get. Um, I don't know that I really agree with that um, the delineation you know between them all. I mean, my first reaction is um, I think that will help beer competitions grow. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think that will help the commercial categorization um, of this style of beer um, do better. I don't think it's going to help the consumer uh, because, you know, I seriously, I can see myself sitting down talking to a relative going, look, the, the difference between a red IPA and a white IPA are the following items. And quoting from section 21 slash A paragraph 42 says that that is supposed to be a lot better beer because that is a white IPA. But l- let me no. tell you why you're wrong. Actually, it's not really even what what it really. Yeah, recognize rebuttal argument, good old boy Dave. That's right. Um, uh, you know, it's about Paps. It's all about Paps. Now, um, really, what it's about is, you know, the craft brewers, the professional brewers, are going to do what they're going to do, and they're going to call it what they're going to call it, and it doesn't matter to them. Where this whole BJCP thing comes in into play for us home brewers is that, let's say Mark goes to Austin, Texas, and he tastes a weird red IPA that he loves, right? He wants to make a clone of it. He makes one. He wants to enter it into a competition. And it turns out to be mauve. Okay, so he doesn't know where, you know, what category to enter it in. Previously, your your um, your options for an IPA were American IPA, English IPA, or double IPA, or specialty beer. So now, if he makes a red, a session strength red IPA. 
he can enter that into a competition under those strict guidelines and that's how he's judged so it has nothing to do with commercial brewers my, my yeah. head is spinning I got I, lost about two I, minutes ago I can say that I've been I've been brewing and competing long enough to where I remember I remember when with the BJCP when the Imperial IPA became a distinct you know category yeah that oftentimes those of us who were competing you know with high-gravity beers that were fairly highly hopped uh, would sort of um, hedge our bets you did or both. And, and enter into the American Imperial IPA yeah. and the American barley wine yeah because at that particular time in history the 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 differences between those two were negligible now I would say the difference the qualitative difference between those two styles essentially is that American uh, barley wines are highly hopped but they are uh, more heavily um, loaded in the grist with caramel. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I would say to really have a distinctive American double or imperial IPA, it needs to have very little crystal malt. A lot of base. A lot of base malt. And I would say even rye. And I even, you know, uh, we just mentioned the white IPA. I would say that the... American double IPA needs to go in the direction of less crystal and lighter in color because that's where you get the pop of the hop. Yeah. Yeah, ba the the two the row hop. and maybe some white wheat. Like something on the side of a can. Pop <laughs> of the hop. It sounds like a dance show from the 50s. Yeah. So, and those are my preferences, just not only for brewing, but just for my own personal consuming. That if, I agree. If I want something that's, you know, really big and hoppy, and you know, and and on the dry side, I think it needs to be also more yeah. on the dry side. Hoppy beers need to have a thin body yep. because if you're if you're having to make the hops compete with caramel, unfermented sugars, right? You know, that's where your problems come in because it's a you don't want a big hoppy chewy beer. Mm. You know, you want a a refreshing dry hoppy beer that's a thin malt body where the hops can shine on and, top and of i it, think that know? rye is good to use also because yeah. it adds to the dryness so what i would recommend to you know our hobby brewers out there is to if you know there's nothing wrong with the caramel color but just use a very very small percentage maybe say four percent of your grist of Crystal at like 120 Lovabond. 120, yeah. Just a really high, yeah. you know, kiln. To get the max color. Just to get the maximum color, but the least bit of flavor. Mm -hmm. That's what I would recommend. And throw a little rye in there, yep. too. <clears throat> so I have a quick uh, two-minute question. Um, so if you had to describe where this style is currently today, peak, valley, or in the middle, what would you pick? I'd Reverend say it's Mark. still in the middle. It's getting ready to peak. Hmm. I think we can only take so much. Hmm. Juliana. Yeah, I think the same. I mean, there's a little bit of leeway to go, but at some point we're going to max out because there's only so much you can do with this profile. Yeah. Good old boy Dave. Kind of what they're saying, but I think we have a lot farther to go before we max out. I think um, with what's going on with yeast these days, local yeast, um, sours, and different things, I think combinations are going to enable us to really um, go in a lot more different directions even than we're going now. Hmm. Did he say peak, middle, or... I don't think so. I said kind of middle, but <laughs> low, middle, not... Oh, you know, they're like wow. here, middle, like waist level. I'm like at mid-thigh. There's group therapy on Thursdays for you I just guess so, really. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think what's in question, though, are the base styles that we're referencing all these new styles over against, mm. and we're you know we're we're actually you know uh, sort of redefining as you're yeah we yeah are. I think I think even yeah. you know the, 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 the base styles that we're trying to reference everything to are becoming right. very blurry yeah. and fading from our memory. Yep. So that's that's the big question. Well, with that, I'll offer my opinion on the question, which is. I would say uh, we're at the peak, or actually I would say a little bit beyond peak. And I think part of it is that uh, my observation is that 
I'm looking at what people are doing with the ingredients and how they're approaching the style. And I think that uh, I look back at the last two years as the definition of the hot bomb and thinking that there is no such thing as adding too much hops. And I think that what people are realizing is, is that that does not work um, in terms of defining f uh, flavor. But at the same time, um, I think that brewers are recognizing that um, there are a lot of really great commercial examples that are out there. And they can approach this style with a lot of examples that are before them. So <clears throat> I, just, uh, I just don't see um, the measure of innovation here uh, that I would have, say, three or four years ago. Uh, that's not to say that it's not out there. That's not to say that it doesn't exist. It's just that when I look at the scheme of things, have you figured out 80 or 90% of what the style is going to offer up with the, with the base of ingredients you'd have to do? And I'd have to say yes. Um, <clears throat> so I think it's still, uh, it's still out there. Our discussion today was very interesting uh, to pick up the question, which is where is double IPA and imperial IPA in the U.S. craft beer market? Parting thoughts from Rev and Mark. Looking back at uh, everything you got to taste today, I mean, what did you think? What did you learn? What are you walking away with? Well, what what I'm walking away with are the you know the stellar examples of these styles of the Imperial and Double IPAs. To me, the ones that really, really, really stood out uh, were on the dry side. It's interesting that most of them were canned, which means there was less uh, you know they weren't permeable to light. And I think that when we're talking about this style, it's it's also a very uh, fragile kind of vulnerable product, more so than beers that are more on the malty end. Mm. So you know, my takeaway is that these kind of beers, even though they're high gravity and they should be able to have longer shelf life, are going to have to be products that has a pretty you know rapid turnover to get them at their very best, because I think they they're going to peak out fast. Yeah. Juliana, uh, parting thoughts after uh, a good day of uh, tasting these 23 beers. I think that it's all a matter of the perception of the person that's drinking them. I mean, some people enjoy more resiny flavors. Some people enjoy more citrus flavors. And some people like a balance. So I think in terms of double and imperial IPAs, there is something for everybody. It's just a matter of knowing what your taste profile is, what you enjoy. And there is definitely something out there for everybody. Yeah. Most definitely. Dave, parting thoughts on the day. <clears throat> I think that um, you need to get out there and avoid packaging and just find a beer that you like. Ignore what the three experienced beer drinkers sitting at the table with you think. Uh, love the beer that you love and just, you know, go by taste and not by what's... Uh, currently on rate beer hmm. yep <clears throat> well you know that is uh you know I, it seems like every time we have done a blind taste uh tasting i i feel incredibly humbled uh by that experience and dave you're really right on the the same you know comment that i have is you know a parting thought looking back at the day which is i'm really grateful for i guess the first thing is what an incredible base of products to pick from yeah. and uh, just the level of quality of beer making right now is just phenomenal uh, right now in the US and so yeah. even though we picked a lot of winners and losers in our conversation I don't know there's some measure of um, uh, pride and affinity thinking how how well uh, this style is is being served currently in the u.s craft beer market um <clears throat> even if i still think we're kind of beyond the peak of that i still look at the base of even the things that are in front of me and i'm still thinking about another 50 beers that are not even on the list in front of us that are saying you know what this this style is alive and well and doing very very well at the same time i'm with dave uh don't sit down and let some marketing person define what you like 
and if you're going to sit down and spend that much time and money you know enjoying something why not sit down and actually decide for yourself uh, exactly what it is that you like um, very humbling experience I don't think there there are several beers that I know that all of us named today that I would go if I were sitting at the bar there's no way on the free planet I would have picked that uh, but at the same time I'm very proud of the fact that I let my palate do the the walking today and let that be my ultimate guide because that's really what it matters at the end of the day is do you like what you're tasting so that's definitely a lesson to be learned so Thank you all for uh, listening to uh, both these uh, episodes today. It was an enjoyable experience. I know every time we go through one of these style shows, we always walk away with, hmm, wow, I look forward to the next one. And I do. I wonder what that will be. (laughs) Since we've gone through so many of these now. (laughs) I'm sure we'll have some other good style show ahead of us. Uh, I want to thank all of our listeners here on Sip, Suds, and Smokes. You can catch all of our episodes online on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube, Uncle John's Basement. He's standing there with a giant, you know, keg of double IPA going, yeah, they're about done talking. Hey, boy, get out of my basement. (laughs) And Spreaker, our native media host. Our terrestrial radio stations are questioning every single time they step out to the copier of going, why do we pay these guys anything? They're always expanding as well. And if you'd like to hear this particular show on your favorite radio station, why don't you send them a, a note and copy us as well. You can reach us online anytime at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. Our daily tasting notes flow out on Twitter every single day. At Sip, Subs, and Smokes, our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news. And one thing I, I always forget to mention is nearly all of us are on Untapped. All of our uh, hosts on uh, on uh, Suds episodes are on Untapped. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, drop us a line on Untapped as well. You can definitely catch our show, Sip, Suds, and Smokes, right directly on Untapped as well as directly connect with a lot of our hosts on untapped as well listen do us a favor if you're listening to this show online rate this episode um that really is a big help to us and we actually get to see your feedback as well most of all i want to thank my co-host for joining me for this great experience today reverend mark thank you for joining us may the hops be with you (laughs) good old gal juliana hey remember craft beer is worth the effort (laughs) and good old boy dave Beer. <laughs> Such a great tagline. And this is good old boy Mike. Thank you once again for joining us. I'll ask you to join us once again and keep on sipping. This has been a one tan hand production of Sip, Suds, and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your hosts, the good old boys, will see you all next time.